I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk about what we find. Daniel, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, we are talking about Adam Abel. Adam Abel. Mm. Do you know... Oh, how is this going to work? Do you know... Adam Abel? No, I didn't. But thanks for the tip. Yes. Yeah. So there's 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 a joke in there somewhere. It's somewhere deep 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 down. It's it's definitely there. Ooh, that's a great name. Do you want to start giving me a guess about you know the nationality of this person, perhaps their age, if indeed they are still alive? I'm going to guess they are American. Right. Well, you'd be wrong. Oh, okay. But perhaps, but maybe think about where did a lot of sort of white Europeans come from from America? Europe. <laughs> yeah. It's a good start. It's a good start. Now now I think maybe maybe sort of north-ish Europe. Germany. Uh yeah, now go west. America. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now don't go so far west. Uh it, Britain. Yes. Yeah, and then go just go just just, just north of Hadrian's Wall. The uh, Arctic. Ah, uh Scotland. <laughs> yes. Wow, we get wow. How did you know that? That's amazing. <laughs> Adam Abel, are they still alive? Uh, very much not, no. This sounds like a Revolutionary War kind of figure. Well, I mean, he was believed to have been born in 1480, so... Oh! Yeah, really quite um, really quite elderly chap, and believed to have died in 1540. But Adam Abel was a Scottish friar at Jedburgh Abbey. Okay, now friars don't typically have Wikipedia articles about them, so they must have done something quite interesting. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I've just hovered over the, the hyperlink to Jedburgh Abbey, which is a Ruist Augustinian abbey, which was founded in the 12th century, situated in the town of Jedburgh in the Scottish borders, 10 miles north of the border with England at Carter Bar. But Adam Abel wrote a chronicle in the 1530s that gives an insight into contemporary thought and contains anecdotes that appear in later writings. The manuscript of the uh, the Reut or Quail of Time is kept at the National Library of Scotland, MS 1746. It was donated by Lieutenant Colonel W. W. Cunningham of Caprington. What? That, that, that's a solid name as well. Isn't it? This, this article is a minefield for solid names. It's amazing. It's amazing. He was born at Preston Pans, then known as Salt Preston, around 1480. He was related to the... Oh my god, he's related to the Bellenden family. <laughs> no. Amazing. No. I knew this was going to be a good one to have for the podcast. Yeah, the Bell the Bellenden family. Robert Bellenden, <laughs> abbot of Holyrood, was his great uncle. Abel became a monk in Incafray Abbey in 1495, then moved to Observantin Franciscan Friar at Jedburgh. His chronicle, The Reut or Quahail of Time, ends in 1537. Possibly Abel died soon after the manuscript survived in the family of Sinclair of Roslyn Castle. Roslyn Castle is an... Oh no, Roslyn Chapel is the connection to the Holy Grail, isn't it? That's that's the chapel that everyone thinks the Holy uh, Grail might be buried at, I think. Yes. At least I think that's right. I may be talking out of my ass. Yeah, hundred only a few hundred metres from the famous Roslyn Chapel. Ah... So hang on, the Bellenden family. I'm sorry, my brain is still yeah, amazing. Like he was, so he was related. He was related to the Bellenden family. I mean, sadly, there's no link to any of that family. Oh, we've been deprived. But it's interesting. So this, the Reut or Quihail of Time, Abel recounts much legendary history, including the the story of King Lear and his daughters and Macbeth and the witches. The chronicle ends in 1537, mentioning a process of divorce between Margaret Tudor 
and Harry Stewart, Lord Methven, Norman MacDougall thought three pages of the Quahel of Time that referred to James III of Scotland significant enough to print in his study of the king. Abel said, of the death of James III in 1488, they conspirit again the king and gaff him batel beside Strewling, and there he was slain. He was confessed before with Master John Ireland, professor of theology. They slew him in the mill of Bannerburn. So it's all written in sort of like old Scottish, if that mm. wasn't already obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it, it sounds alarmingly similar to the River Tay disaster. Yes. Um, I think this is why I got excited about it. Um, MacDougall found nothing <laughs> strikingly original in Abel's account of James III, which depends in part on Hector Bosa, but was able to infer that his other sources for the reign were sympathetic to James III and Alexander Stuart, Duke of Albany, and to Abel's contemporary John Stuart, Duke of Albany. Writing in 1537 of events in the previous year, Abel tells the story of his visit to James V of Scotland to Mary of Bourbon with the, or Bourbon, I suppose, Mary of Bourbon, with the interesting suggestion that there had been an exchange of portraits. Alistair Stewart contends that Abel's moralising uh, handling of his subject matter and the examples he shows, his own strong character, contemporary attitudes and unique view of international events from the cloister at Jedburgh. So I always think this about, like, you know, you know the, the difference between people publishing stuff back then and people writing books or, you know, whatever format they choose now. Mm. It's just back then, you know... This guy just wrote down a bunch of stuff in the order he thought that it happened. Mm. Like, you know, the, there's no... <laughs> it's not like this was peer-reviewed or anything. This was just him in the bath. Yeah. Like, yeah, this thing happened, and then, um, oh, uh, my ancestors were there, and they were all super jacked. Yeah. They, they were, like, out outrageously muscly and handsome. Uh, the Bellenden clan, uh, yeah, we've got some kind of relation with them. Uh, they didn't help. We were the ones that made Scotland. Mm. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just a totally different, yeah. it's a kind of insane way of, like, deciding on knowledge, I guess, you know. I think he sounds like a bit of a legend. I was also curious about, so the, you mentioned that they had the story of Macbeth in there, because I knew that, um, that, that it was a, a story before Shakespeare wrote the, wrote the play, Mm. Macbeth. I wasn't sure how much of it was um, sort of, you know, historical. But for those of you who are following at home, Macbeth became king of Scotland in 1040 AD. Actually, he wasn't king of Scotland. I do beg your pardon. He ruled over the kingdom of Alba, which was only a portion of present-day Scotland. Alba is sort of the bit near Edinburgh, from the looks of things, like the east, southeast bit. And he he killed the king duncan the mm first -hmm. who was king of alba and his 17 year reign was mostly peaceful though in 1054 he was faced with an english invasion uh, led by sigurd sigurd uh, on behalf of edward the confessor and he was killed at the battle of lumphannon by forces loyal to the future malcolm the third so actually like the the bits you know that's more represented in the play than i was expecting yeah i have to admit it's just a real in it's an interesting sort of this right or quihail of time yeah this chronicle that says gives an insight into contemporary thought and contains anecdotes that appear in later writings it's just an interesting sort of snapshot i guess of almost consciousness as opposed to anything that's meant medieval to be taken shit seriously. Posting. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what it is. It's like someone discovering a printed out version of a Tumblr 
and being like, this is, is a really unique document, <laughs> you know, between, in like a museum in the year 2500, there's like a printed out Tumblr feed that's like, if we look here, uh, look at the notes under this particular gif of mm. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. We really see an insight into the thirst subculture. Yes. Like, Bizarre. Again, I think we I think we mentioned this last episode. Like, how are we going to remember the present in the future? I just find that fascinating. <laughs> like, uh, the tiniest artifact that would be totally mundane now is going to be of incalculable value to future historians. Well, I think. I mean, I'm sure in previous episodes of this cursed thing that we call the Wikicast, <laughs> we must have encountered other sort of priestly, God fearing people before but oh. as far as anyone who is going to perhaps fulfill the you know the or, or ascend to the lofty heights of sort of patron saint of this podcast i think it's got to be adam abel adam abel for top of the um top of the, the phone directory as well yeah that, that's like so good branding for the wiki cast yeah, if like you really open easy. the yellow pages who do you who do you get to tell you about what happened in the past adam abel yeah right next to aaron a aronson yes yeah but so much has happened, Dan, since we last spoke. Oh, uh, we so last much. recorded an episode just before Christmas. So mm. did you have a lovely Christmas? I had a lovely Christmas. It was really wonderful. I went up to London on the 19th. I drove from Exeter to, to the very centre of London. Well, oh, blimey. I drove into Westminster um, and then fortunately was only two streets out of the out of the congestion zone charge bit. So fortunately didn't have to pay that but that was quite an experience having not having not driven into london proper before i don't particularly want to do it ever again mm. um but there we are <laughs> you tick that box yeah that was lovely i was with my partner until the 25th did a bit of singing which was nice um she was moving uh moving house so i was helping with that and then we went to sussex until the from the 25th to the 29th to stay with her aunt and uncle which was thoroughly lovely and incredibly restful and just Lovely. And then, and then I was back in London for New Year to go to the, the sort of infamous Wickham uh, New Year's Eve party ah. that happens every year in Westminster, which is very good fun. And it's all black tie. And we'd gone out in the day to buy, you know, each, you know, we treated ourselves to a rather nice bottle of champagne and cigars. Which was which was even better. Uh, yeah, I saw a picture of you on Instagram of this. Uh, are you a cigarman? I wouldn't have put you down as being a cigar smoker or a smoker at all. I enjoy a I enjoy a the nice thing about a cigar and a pipe. My old housemate and I used to smoke <laughs> pipes. Is that there's no inhalation. You know, you don't breathe into your lungs. You've, it's the flavour of the of the pipe and the cigar, as opposed Top to ten Dan more moments. Yes. Right yeah. Well, there, here you go. Well, you asked. So, um, so it was. It was really. Yeah. It was. It was. It was lovely, and it made the evening feel very special. And every, you know, everybody turns up in black tie and gets. To, you know, it's all. It's all quite sort of. It's. It's all done properly. You know. And it, it was it was really wonderful. I st stayed a few days with a mutual organist friend of ours and listened to a very fine recital um, that he gave, which mm. was wonderful. Yeah, it was a really lovely time. And then I was back in Exeter on the 1st of January. Straight back at it. How about you? How was your Christmas? It was lovely. Um, we had, uh, this was our first Christmas in our new house. Pixel wife and I, well, being husband and wife, first Christmas with that. And we had my parents over for Christmas Day, which they were saying was the first time they'd actually had a Christmas Day and not been responsible for you know cooking and sort yeah. of organizing everything in decades oh, i bet they loved that yeah they did i felt like they did feel a little bit lost at points um they just didn't quite know what to do with themselves yes um which was 
you know, you know, understandable. But um, I just really love it. I really, really love cooking for large groups of people. I mean, obviously, it was only four of us. It wasn't exactly large. But when it's a meal of that complexity, you know, we threw everything in. We had a clipboard with all the different timings for the two different ovens. Amazing. Really, really enjoyed the day. I went for a little walk afterwards and then went up to the frozen north of Bridge North to visit Pixel Wife's family. Uh, briefly and then we had our um, our own little sort of connection to to club wickman in that we went over to uh, a property in yorkshire there's a cottage that we rented which belongs to hugo's family and uh we pixel wife and i were there were there with friends of hers from home lovely so we had a very quiet new year's in the middle of nowhere just taking the dogs for walks getting you know it was it was just doing very very little and i feel like that what i call the gooch of the year between yeah. christmas and new years yes. is when you actually really relax because yeah, yeah. everything running up to christmas is so and especially when we mentioned this before for singers it's very stressful but you actually get a couple of days like a week basically to just do as little as possible go full goblin mode and in our case, yeah, we, we would, you know, go go for a walk, uh, get wrapped up really warm, be out for a couple of hours, come back home, plop down in front of the fire with the dogs um, and read or have a nap or, or whatever it was. And it was just delightful. Really, really nice. That's wonderful. Now, did you manage to nip out of the cottage down the hill, turning right down the hill, over through the farm, over a small bridge and into the sportsman's arms? We did, in Excellent. fact, go there. It's a lovely pub. It's a really nice pub. Uh, shout out to the Sportsman's Arms, just outside Pateley Bridge. They do Theakston's in there, I think. Theakston's Best Bitter is one of my favourite pints. I mean, we did the thing. Admittedly, I was trying to. I was about to say, you know, what was I drinking uh, most of the weekend? I had a brew dog. I can't remember. It's a greenwashy kind of beer, but I thought I'd try something different. It was like a lager. But I don't know if you had this as well. But over Christmas and New Year, we spec spectacularly overcated. Oh, really? Like, we are still making our way through the backlog of food and drink that we bought for Christmas and New Year's. Amazing. It will be so probably until the end of February. Yes. We just really overdid it, especially on the booze. That's what it's for, though, I think. You know, you've got you've got to... Yeah, I mean, it's... Christmas and New Year is a time of excess in every sense of the word. Yeah. You know, whether it be, you know, buying too much food and drink or thinking that it's wholly appropriate to go to, you know the St. James's Street in, in London and going to one of the most expensive tobacconists in London to buy a cigar. <laughs> All the bets are off at Christmas. It, it, exactly. it's, I, I, it's like, it's the airport of the year. Yes. It's the, and it's one of the reasons, one of the reasons I, I'm glad I don't fly anymore is that I feel like airports are just, mad, like, you know, it's crazy what some people think is acceptable to do in an airport. It's it's as if all the social rules go. And I feel like Christmas is that, but a little bit nicer. Mm. Like there's a more of an undercurrent of jollity and goodwill towards men, which is definitely absent in airports. Yeah, they can be not. I mean, they, I think the thing that I've found when I've flown sort of recently is just how spectacularly unpleasant the entire process is, especially when you're flying. I mean, we made the foolish mistake of fly, doing a Ryanair flight, which didn't actually in the long mm. run sa save us much money at all. And it just made the entire experience vile. So I'm not going to be doing that again. I'll probably try and do EasyJet. But when it's so horrendously busy and you're, you feel like sort of cattle being sort of shunted through various sort of gates and waiting pens and more gates and more waiting pens and yeah you know and you've, you've got you've got sort of stewards walking around with you they ought that you know they, they might as well be wielding cattle prods you know that that's <laughs> that's how that's how sort of welcoming and helpful they can be trains are just better like the Eurostar is just a much better experience i know it's more expensive thing is though but then you get exceptions like you know skip airport and we you know we both have fond memories of skip mm. um 
after our little trip. The tiny, tiny little um, trolleys that we found. The tiny trolleys and the and and us walking through and seeing seeing a sort of dedicated Heineken bar and just stopped, looked at each other and said, "Well, we going. We have to go and have a Heineken. We simply have yeah, to." Go on, eh? You know what time? If is people it? haven't seen this, by the way, this is all on vlog. I'll include links. I think there's two videos. It might be three actually that we did when we were we went to Amsterdam for VidCon. Mm. It was VidCon, it wasn't was it? Vidcon, yeah. yeah, and they're great. They are. Ch- I might actually treat myself to a cheeky little rewatch of those. I think this afternoon they really make me cackle laughing. You know, really, really fond memories. I think it's the moment when you mispronounce Gatwick as Gackwick that sends me over the edge. <laughs> like completely sends me over the edge. Yeah, I remember this. And then was that? Then we do that review. We did that review of that really, really of the cheese board review. Did you, well, there's the cheese board review. I was thinking also of the you know when we went and got that kebab down the road from where from our Airbnb. Gosh, yeah. And it's just like, you know, chewing noises intensify like throughout, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I start I start weeping because I asked for hot sauce and it really was quite hot sauce. <laughs> yeah. That was a slightly strange Airbnb as well, wasn't it? You oh, were in like weird. some sort of, you were in like a nook, yeah. like a little, a, a, like as if perfect for a small burrowing mammal yeah. in your life. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I was in a, a bed. If you know anyone like me who sort of resembles a vole, then and you'll be you'll be fine you know some woodland sprite yeah it was a great trip though and we did our yeah we had our museum day and the the pancake fest and god knows what else meeting john and hank green yeah if people haven't seen the vlogs if, if meeting john and hank green john they've got tokens they've got tokens john this guy's got tokens <laughs> It's funnily, funnily that we're talking about this, actually, because I, I had to take out from storage to check if it would fit another item. I've got a, a frame right next to me, which has the poster I bought from that VidCon Amsterdam, which is signed by John and Hank. Amazing. I, I might have to put that up. There is actually a space right here in my office that I could put that. There's also the traumatising moment of me completely going to pieces after meeting Dodie. Dodie. <laughs> oh, yes, you really did. Which is, I mean, was one of my finest moments, I think. And then the appendix to that, which was when the vlog came out, Dodie commented on it saying, oh, Dan, we should be friends. And I showed this to you. We were at a party at the time. We were, yeah. And I showed you the screenshot and you basically just, again, it was, again, like a small burrowing mammal. You just sort of took the phone and then like kind of knelt over in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> just just had to have a moment. I think I said to you, I need to go and lie down in a dark room with a cool flannel on my forehead just for a bit, just to try and <laughs> try and restore some equilibrium to my internal economy. <laughs> Lock the door, tighten my restraints. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what a what an amazing! <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other. That's a different kettle of fish entirely. Yes, that's 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 not cross that stream with no, Dodie. No. <laughs> well, did you? Uh, what the thing I was going to ask was, um, did you have any nice presents this year? Any good Christmas presents? Uh, oh well, I did. I got a really lovely tie from uh, my partner, and oh, I love a pad tie. The most considered thoughtful present I think I've ever received, which is, I mean. My partner knowing me now as someone who enjoys cooking. Very much. And nine times out of ten can be found in a Benedictine monastery in Buckfastly <laughs> singing sacred music. She she bought me yes. the most amazing book, which is a recipe book, and it's it's titled Twelve Months of Monastery Soups. <laughs> <laughs> and it's absolutely inspired. It's really and the recipes look glorious. It's absolutely brilliant. I can't. Yeah, right? I can't take this seriously. Is that the most (laughs) phenomenal gift anyone could ever receive? (laughs) Months of monastery suits. Oh, it's everything I ever wanted. Yeah, it's it's absolutely, utterly glorious. Hang on, I'm going to send you a picture of the front of this um, this particular tome. Forgive me, that's going to be a clip. I'm going to have to take a little clip of that one for for socials. I think it's amazing. 
and I love it. And I can't wait to start. So they're all they're arranged by the month of the year. But there's some really phenomenal ones. And it's it's written by a monk who's written quite a few recipe books. And apparently it's very, very good. Brother Victor Antoine de Avila La Tourette. I've just sent you a little thingy on the old Facebook. Ah, let's have a look. So this is have you tried these recipes yet? Not then? yet, because I need to I need to invest in a stick blender. Oh. Oh yes, this does the in fact the guy on the cup I mean it's not a million miles away from looking like you. If I put glasses on him. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, happy to help. Yeah. I suppose, I mean, much like that sort of pumpkin looks a bit like you, I suppose, yes, it does resemble me. (laughs) Oh, dear. That's that's slain me. That has absolutely slain me. 12 months of monastery soups. It's brilliant. I love it. By comparison, my favourite present this year is is possibly the the best present I've ever been given, apart from life, shout out, mum, was Pixel Wife got me an Imperial Warlord Titan from the epic 40,000 range, which I have wanted since I saw it in White Dwarf in 2003. Oh, wow. That's so cool. This was a kit, and I and it's the specific promo shot they have that's on the top of the box that is seared into my memory. And that specific model in that specific colour, I knew that I, I've wanted this for years, and I just assumed I'd never be able to get one for a reasonable price because, you know, they're out of production and they're obviously dwindling stock. But whenever I went on eBay, it was just sort of silly, silly money. And it's exactly where a present should be in that it's something that you would love, but you wouldn't spend that money on yourself. Yeah, I'd be happy to spend that money on someone else as a present, which is why, you know, it's just such a played such a blinder. But if I, I've got it here, if I give you a little rattle, some ASMR for the people at home. Mm. That's a good. That's a good rattle. It's all metal. It's from the era in Games Workshop history. I'm not. I don't actually think. I've. I erroneously thought that this was from 2003, but I think it is actually a bit older. I think it's from the previous version of Epic, but it's the part of Games Workshop history where instead of being plastic, it's all. I mean, I guess there's about. 20 different metal parts that you're going to have to pin and glue together. And I cannot wait. I am so excited about putting this model together. What's funny, though, is Epic, for people that don't know, Epic Armageddon is, oh, Epic 40,000, is like Warhammer, but it's much, much smaller. The average dude is, I think, eight millimeters. It's either six or eight millimeters tall. Yeah. So... You know, if you've got infantry, there are these tiny, tiny models on bases. And really, it's this game that you play between, you know, tanks and these titans, these big walking war machines. And so when she gave it, well, she, it was before she gave it to me. She said, your your presence arrived and it's, um, it's, it's not what I was expecting. It's a bit smaller than I was expecting. Yeah. And I think what she thought she was getting was the, the full fat Warhammer 40,000 version of this model. Whereas this thing is about, oh, I don't know maybe 10 centimeters tall the warhammer 40,000 version of this is approximately a meter tall oh, wow. um and costs 1250 pounds if yes. i remember rightly which is probably quite glad that she ended up getting the smaller one then <laughs> yeah i was just like bless you for even considering yes. <laughs> getting that one for one thing i have no idea where i would put it Yes, like, yeah. And it would take an entire year to put together, let alone paint. But yeah, I did think it was quite funny. She was like, oh, I really hope I've got the right thing. Uh, it's a tiny box. <laughs> um, but 
So thank you. Thank you very much, Pixel Boy, for literally, I think, the best present I've ever received. And I am definitely going to be assembling and painting that one on the Simon Clark Errata channel, which is going to be getting a lot more videos this year. I've got a video series that I have already started. Um, we're going to be doing at least a video a month on that channel. So if you're not subscribed, I'll include a link in the show notes. You should definitely, if you like hobby stuff, you should check it out. But you know what else I like, Dan? What do you like, Simon? I really like hearing about choral pieces every week, oh. and specifically ones from you. Well, strap in, strap on, and let's have the first oh, new feel year. Feel the G's. <laughs> choral piece of the week. Feel the G's, yeah. It's going to be uh, the Poulonk Mass in G. Um... <laughs> <laughs> This will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. My choral piece of the week, my first choral piece for the uh, for the new year. I sort of jokingly referred to the the Poulonk Mass in G for the sake of punnage. My choral piece of the week again. I'm just, I'm going to sort of cheat and do a selection of things, but it forms one piece with a series of movements. Okay. It's by Poulonk. Oh. It's registered composition 152. I see you know your Poulonk well. And it's the Quatre Motets pour le Temps de Noël. And it's hey! the selection of four four motets for Le Temps de Noël. Um, Emanuel Mysterium, Quem Vidistis Pastores Dicite Videntes Stellam, and Hodie Christus Natus Est. Banger. Now, they're all brilliant, and much like with most Poulonk, it, it's all sort of really quite complex music that's a sort of running joke that it cannot Poulenc cannot be sight read which i think is probably true not only because it's very challenging just to sight read without having done any work to it but you can absolutely guarantee that you're not going to do the piece justice if you haven't yeah put time in and really really done some yeah. work but on saturday this coming week the saint peter's singers which is the sort of chamber choir of exeter cathedral will be singing a service of choral evensong and the anthem for that service are all four of those motets in order which is going to be really cool now it's funny that you should pick that as a piece actually because i before christmas last year had the delight of going to watch my wife perform in a choir in bath and they did all four movements of of the Poulong, and for the record, I absolutely think the last one is the best i don't oh, know if that's yeah. a controversial opinion oh dear christmas not it's just i mean it's just silly isn't it yeah, it's fun. It's joyful. I was um, speaking of the last one, actually, just as an aside, I was talking to a, a, a mutual organist friend about this. And they, they, he was saying that the trick of doing that piece well and doing it justice is to be so much like doing any Poulonk is you're, you must be incredibly strict with yourself as to what Poulonk said, says he wants in terms of obviously dynamics and rests and things, but also mm. the metronome marking, the sort of crotchet value that you get at the beginning of the piece this mutual friend of ours said it should be it should be no faster than a camp waddle, which is absolutely <laughs> what it is. That's exactly yes, because it, it, oh it just has God. to have that yes. feel of that. Yeah, you know, a camp waddle is perfect description for the speed that it ought to be taken at. <laughs> Sorry, but yes, go on, go perfect. On. Yes, and I'm delighted to report, as of last week, I am actually singing in that choir with my wife, potentially just for a term. I'm just depping at the moment. Yes, I won't say what the name of the choir is, because I need to have a chat with my wife about whether we're going to talk about it in public. But for the first time since uh, leaving university, I am regularly singing, and I am 
over the moon that's about great. it. That's great. Oh, that's so good. And the stuff we're doing this term for this concert is really interesting. Mm. There's a lot of things that I've done before. Like we're doing the uh, Bruckner Osiusti, we're doing the Pet, uh, the Deer's Cry, mm-hmm. Arben Lied by Reinberger. Mm-hmm. But we're also doing Morgan Lied, which I wasn't aware it was, you know, it's for, there's, a, there's a broader piece and there's different movements that Arben Lied is part of. And we're doing a lot of pieces by a composer called Wolfram Buchenberg. Oh, right. Who I'd never heard of before, and all the musicians I've spoken to have never heard of. I would characterise them as, like, a more interesting Germanic Eric Whittaker. Really cool. The pieces that we've done so far, we've only had one rehearsal, so we haven't really delved into it properly. Um, But really, really interesting. I'll send you a link, actually, uh, when we finish recording, and I'll put a link in the show notes to one of the movements we're doing. Yeah. And it's, it's an earworm. Like, it's really been in my head, but it's really... I think, at least, very, very interesting. So, a bit of choral news, and I suppose a, a, a second choral piece of the week from me. Don't worry, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna edge in on your turf. No, here. no, no. Uh, this is very much edge your corner, edge away. But... It's fine. <laughs> Critics' corner, Simon. Yes. And now I don't know about you, but as far as actually sort of using this Christmas period to relax. And, and maybe try and watch a few things that I'd like to watch. I sort of haven't really done that at all. Oh, okay. I've just been enjoying being able to go out and sort of wander and and actually probably do a bit of sort of, have a bit of time away from consuming sort of visual media on a screen. You know, I've read quite a few books, which I'm enjoying very much. Mm-hmm. But I did want to mention on BBC iPlayer at present, there is a film starring Bill Nye, and it's called The Limehouse Golem. Oh, I've heard about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a sort of Victorian murder mystery thing. Mm. And I saw that Bill Nye was in it and I thought, oh, that'll be fun to watch. So my partner and I watched it last night. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt, it's one of the most dreadful films I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolute, absolute hot steaming dog <laughs> It's unreal and it it made me cross it really made me cross and it's a shame because the performances are fine bill nye is good you know as as you'd expect olivia cook is also very fine uh, and obviously olivia cook having bit, having we've seen her most recently in house, house of the, the dragon. dragon yeah and in ready player one which is a film i'm obsessed with <laughs> but oh my goodness what an absolutely dreadful dreadful piece of film i just looked it up because i knew that it reminded me of something i've i've seen most of this my parents had this on on TV once, I yeah. remember. And I remember watching it and going, what? Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's that's, ridiculous. It's like, a, it's like a gory murder mystery mixed, mixed with some sort of dark comedy stuff. Like It's like there's two stories going on at one time, neither of which is fully explored or developed. So it's lacking on both fronts. Mm. What did it do? It brought in 2.35 million at the box office in US dollars. I don't remember how much they spent on it. I can't imagine... An enormous amount of money, it, but it looked like one of those, like um, what what could have been a BBC one hour special that exactly. had just been stretched into a feature film, but with a commensurate budget of not very much. Yes, yeah. And I was just really, I just got really, really cross, really, really cross. And it's interesting because you know, it's as I understand, there's there's well, there's characters in the in the film that are based on real people, right? The actual film is an adaptation of a murder mystery novel by Peter Aykroyd. Yes, it had that vibe, I remember, yeah. But, this, you know, Karl Marx, for instance, is in it for some inexplicable reason. 
Dan Leno, who is a who who was a stage performer in music halls in the Victorian time, was was there as well. George Gissing was also there. So they're trying to bring in these real people mm. to, I guess, lend the narrative a bit more credence. But it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And, I, and <laughs> after getting maybe a quarter of the way through, I turned to my partner and said, "This, this is awful. Like this is really bad." And she she said to me, "Yeah, not great, is it?" And 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 then it was one of those times where you're watching something that you know is objectively shit. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she sort of leant over to me and said, "Well, we don't have to watch this if you don't want." And before she finished, I said, "Well, no, 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 no. Let's give it the benefit of the doubt. Let's yeah, give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I want to see how it goes." I mean, it was as it turned out, and as I think suspected, it was a total waste of time giving it the benefit of the doubt because it was terrible. And it just sort of made me think as soon as the credits came up, I just sort of like hit menu, returned to the iPlayer home screen and just let out a big sigh. I was like, well, <laughs> oh, that's, that's an hour and a half. I'm not getting yeah, back. I'm not getting, I'm not, yeah, 105 minutes of my life utterly ruined and wasted. Yeah. I mean, I apologize if Bill Nye and Olivia Cook are listening, <laughs> as I'm sure they are. I mean, they may well be. You never know. I thought your performances in it were fine. I thought, I, I, I think you were let down by a really, really dreadful screenplay. So Jane Goldman... Who's written? So she co-wrote the screenplays of Kingsman: The Secret Service, Kingsman: The Golden Circle, X-Men: First Class, Kick-Ass, Stardust, X-Men: Days of Future Past. Wow. Okay. She wrote that she was she wrote the screenplay to The Woman in Black with Daniel Radcliffe, that adaptation of the, the mm. stage production, and she also wrote the script for Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which was um, for that Tim Burton film, an adaptation of the novel. So she's done like she's done a fair bit of stuff. Oh, and she's married to Jonathan Ross. <laughs> oh, well, I was didn't see that coming. Yeah. Oh wow, okay. Oh, gosh. So well, yeah. I mean, they've as I understand, they've, it looks like they've done quite a fair bit. But God, yeah, it was still special. <laughs> I mean, really poor. I mean, well, I have a recommendation that is uniformly positive. So I can, you know, very very happily give a recommendation that's a bit of an alternative, uh, and that is for the BBC series. Ghosts. Have you watched Ghosts? I've seen bits of it, yeah. Right, so I've been told several times that I uh, I should be watching this show. And uh, it was from Friends, whose opinion I very much respected. And I don't really know why I didn't listen to them. Because uh, it took me years to, to catch on to this. And we were finally basically frog-marched in front of a TV by Pixel Wife's sister. And we watched the first episode and then the second, and then the third, and then the fourth. And we have completely fallen down the rabbit hole of it. It is one of the best things I've watched in a very long time. Mm. I, I hope any Ghost fans in the in the readership, please do let us know your thoughts on the show, and even if it's just to pester Dan to watch it. But I think it's fantastic. It's partly fantastic because you can recognise a lot of people you know in some of the characters. Mm. In particular, there is a poet character who longs for uh, and is sort of a bit of a sort of a hopeless romantic specifically in regards to the main protagonist who is Dan it, it, it very much is you Dan it's well it's specifically it's you mixed with a healthy sp a splatter of Corin I see but there's there's an awful <laughs> sometimes pixel wife and I are watching and we'll, the character will say something we we'll look at each other and be like Dan yeah Dan okay <laughs> like so you, I, I would highly recommend that you watch it now. From and, and there are only twenty minute episodes. Is this six... is this Thomas the character Thomas? Thomas the character, yes. Yeah, I know, I know the character you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I'd highly recommend you watch it, if nothing else, just to find out what the alter ego version of you on screen has been up to. But it's wonderful. Uh, I have nothing but good things to say about about it. It has a really high gag per minute like ratio. And yeah, we've just completely fallen for it. Really, really love the show. Amazing. Love that. And we also started, we watched the first episode or two of Rev, if you've watched that. Um, oh, I haven't seen that yet, no. It's good, it's Tom Hollander, and it's very accurate to at least what my experience was like working with the church. Um, for those of you that don't know, actually, I should probably let me do that for both of us. So Ghost, very, very quick synopsis, is set in a haunted house where there are all these ghosts from different periods of history who are stuck in this area. And a new couple move into the property. And after the events of the first episode, the woman in the couple has a near-death incident that means that she can see the ghosts, but her partner can't. And it sort of goes off from there. Whereas Rev is about... A, I think he moves from somewhere like Sussex. Like it's, it's a vicar who previously worked in like the countryside, and then moves to an inner London borough and takes over this sort of crumbling church and a dwindling congregation and all this kind of thing. And I suppose you could say it's a bit like a modern vicar of Dibley. Mm. But the characters that you meet in it, you know, him, his verger, the oh gosh, it's not the bishop, it's the sort of the, the his boss basically in religious terms, not God, and uh, you know, members of the congregation and things. Like like that it's so spot on to it you will know every single one of those characters dan sure. if you watch the first episode you'll know exactly what i mean yeah. <laughs> so that that's another we haven't got quite as deep into that but that's another recommendation is this for rev i'll give that a, i'll give that a look and if i'm permitted one more mm, of course we uh, i say we meaning myself and some other people on stream including the lovely bryony have been playing some plate up which i'm sure you're aware of i don't know if you own the game um i might do to be honest i haven't i haven't ventured into I haven't launched Steam on my laptop for probably a year. <laughs> oh, blimey. I barely have, to yeah, be fair. Yeah, but I haven't been... I mean, I've, I've been so busy with law and exams and, and things, and, you know, maybe I'll have a bit more time this year while I'm while I'm currently trying to find a job. So I would highly recommend Playtop. It's, it's the game that the Ogscast most recently produced, and it's similar to Overcooked, but I think a lot more fun in that you have to customise your kitchen and your menu evolves as the game... As like a round goes on, yeah, and it's a yeah, it's a it's a cooperative cooking simulator basically. But you also also have to take customers' orders and then serve them oh, at their table, mm. uh, and it's it's very 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 fun. Um, so shout out to to Bryony, who I'll include a link to her in the description. She's been wonderful uh, introducing me and teaching me how to play. But also, I'm playing it today with members of the Psycom Collective. So Cat does maths, uh, Samwise twenty four fifty, and Thomas Thomas Astro Sci. So we're, we're, if you get a chance and you fancy it. I definitely think we could do a bit of gameplay of that, and maybe that's something to put on Spongy and Electric. Actually, absolutely, I'd love that. I think that would suit us. Hey, speaking <laughs> of speaking of Spongy and Electric, I don't know if you've seen, and this actually this can this can belong in Critics Corner because I'm very excited by it. Last night, I watched the first mm. episode in the new Minecraft series from the from Hat, Hat Films. Films lads, which I am so looking forward to watching because it's already yeah. I'm getting waves of nostalgia, and I thought how fun it would be for I think we ought to have a go at doing at doing a an interesting minecrafty thing i think that would be really yeah. really fun something that that you know whether it whether it's the sort of vault huntery thing or not or just just something that almost that you know that harkens back to to just general like multiplayer back before shadow of israel was a thing you know because mm. there's so much in the game now and i haven't played it for years well we played it a bit on stream didn't we we did well yes during lockdown it was very popular wasn't it we did a hardcore survival game where we mm. just kept I kept dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so I'd be I'd be keen for that. I'd I be think, very, very I think that would be really that. really fun. So maybe maybe if people think that's a fun idea, then then maybe we could do that. Yeah, let us know. I made that custom Minecraft skin. Do you remember? Palestrina. Uh, yes, you were a choir boy. Yes. Yeah. A choir boy. You'll hear me with my with my Exeter University of Exeter hood on the back of it, which is quite impressive. I thought. Oh yes, you did. Yeah, I went. I did the whole hog. There's a lot of nostalgia this episode, isn't there? We're just a lot of us reflecting on things we we have done or used to do. Yes. Yeah. We'll do them again one day. I'm sure we will. Top lad. Oh, hello, little lady. Uh, hello. Would you like to come say hello? Oh, it's the cat. Right, yeah, gotcha. Hey, yeah. Yes, I heard you the first time. Nope, she does not want to come here. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, speaking of cats, Simon, we find ourselves in Patreon Corner. Oh. Patreon Corner is that time of the podcast where we get to say an enormous thank you to those who support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast. Mm-hmm. Without Patreon and without our generous supporters, we wouldn't be able to, to keep making this ridiculous thing and shoving it into people's ear holes. It pays for our hosting, it pays for our marvellous uh, marvellous editor, and it pays for the plans of doing some real-life stuff. And now that we're in the new year and I've got all of my exams out of the way and I'm basically finished, I think we can make something happen fairly swiftly. So I'm really, really looking forward yeah, to that. Now is the time, definitely. As far as how the Patreon works, you can donate at sort of multiple levels, if you like. You can do a sort of conventional uh, $1 a month. But if you feel so moved, you can increase that to $5 a month and choose choose a category of your choosing either top cat or top dog, supporting myself and Simon's wishes for which pet is the best. Obviously, now that's obviously mm-hmm. that's obviously top dog. No, it isn't. So I would like to say an enormous thank you to those who support at top dog <gasps> tier. Dan. Yes. I have dreadful news. What's happened? There are 18 top dogs. Gosh. And there are 17 <gasps> top cats. Oh my heavens, this is... I knew it would come. One day, I knew it would come. This has never happened in the history of the podcast. In the history of the... I mean, we've been doing this for how long? Four years now? Uh, too long, some would say. That's extraordinary. And I'm over the moon. I'm flummoxed. Top dogs who are listening, please just take a moment to sit back and smile smugly to yourself at our slow victory you know i knew that it would happen one day i knew that it would and i had absolute faith in you so i would like to i'd like to reach out and say a hearty congratulations and thank you to jay wright ben mcmurtry peter reed codzo colin j brown lexi at front desk hasse hansen henry the seventh king of england and of france lord of ireland aaron jorgensen naflarok andrian with an n chan Ben Caples, Martin Narciso, Christian from the Alps, Amy Bonney, Lexi at Front Desk's boss, Sophie, and Brummy Mike. Greetings. Greetings. Well, uh, Team Top Cat, I don't know what to say. Uh, this is a typical cat indifference that has led us to the situation. If anyone here is listening and is not currently supporting at Top Cat level and would like to pledge $5 a month to keep the podcast going, and most importantly, like the smug grin off of Team Top Dog's face, please uh, do consider pledging at patreon.com forward slash the wikicast. In the meantime, I would like to thank the current Top Cat patrons. Uh, specifically, I would like to thank Dan Hanvey, Isabella Strowski, Cole Mansfield, Oliver Burghart, Layla Medina, Omar Miranda, Rents Kirk, Will Jenis Humphreys, Nafi Iftikar, Izzy CC, Jack Easton, Simon P, Christopher Betterton, Abu El Ella, the Physics Boy, Dame Valerie the Third, Nathan Flaherty, and Anna Reifer. It. I, I mean, I know that we can do better than this. I just know that we can. So, 
Thank you to everyone who's currently supporting, but if there are any more Top Cats out there, please. Dan can't win. Please. Top lad. And now we find ourselves in Corin's Pondance Corner. That glorious part of the podcast. I would like to start this part of the podcast with a brief apology. I met up with our friends, uh, the one and only Dan Hanvey and Imogen, who we went over, Pixel Wife and I went over to meet them. And uh, Imogen told me that she has emailed us, and I think it was a little while ago now, and that it wasn't read out on the podcast and I was just looking through and I'm currently filtering through our spam filter just in case it's been caught by it, mm. but I'm not seeing it anywhere. So Imogen, I am very sorry, but I am not seeing your message in here. So it's not that we've deliberately excluded you. Yes. We're not just being mean. No, not this time. It's, um, yeah, not this, <laughs> not this time, but yeah, I don't think we have it here from you. So I'm very, very sorry, but yes, we, we, we can't read your message out because, um, we don't have it. <laughs> I have also realised that looking for our spam filter, there are lots of messages that are starting with, Hi, Spong. Nice. Brilliant. <laughs> they seem to think that we are called Spong, as in Spongy and Electric. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> we love that. I have an email here from Kieran, and it simply is titled Spotify Wrapped. And... It so reads, Dear Messrs. Clark and Moore, I was just listening to the Father Christmas episode of the podcast and was a bit surprised that the other listeners of the podcast have spent such a small amount of time listening last year, oh brackets 55 hours, no. since I had, get this, I had a whopping 176 hours. What? If my maths is right, I'll attach just a screenshot just to make sure. All of these hours, of course, I do not regret spending. Kind regards, Kieran, age three... 16th Queen Elizabeth II. We haven't made 176 hours of podcast. That's extraordinary. Yeah, 10,577 minutes. But we've only done 114 episodes and they're not an hour long on average. So by choice, Kieran has chosen to listen to an episode more than once. Well, see, now I can und I can sympathise on this point because when I listen to podcasts and audiobooks and things, I will, I will regularly repeat listen. Now... Kieran, I think you might need to contact your sort of medical health practitioner and just make sure that um, the repeat listenings of this kind of content isn't going to do you some serious long-term damage yes. in yeah. the future. But uh, but thank you so much for letting us know. That's lovely. And uh, I mean, yeah, 176 hours is extraordinary. <laughs> thank you for your dedication and please seek medical attention. Yes. And also a brief memo. Do you remember that we now have a new unit of time? It, we are no longer measuring time in Queen Elizabeth because RSVP, she is no longer with us. Ah, yes. Uh, yes. We are now measuring time in Prince Louise. Yes. Because it's the most inconvenient unit of time possible. Whenever you want to measure a unit of time, you've got to go to Prince Louis of Wales Wikipedia article and then look up how old they are. <laughs> And then divide whatever measure of time you, you want to measure by that number. This dynamic unit of measurement, of course, is courtesy of Ben, uh, who who wrote in in November. Oh, we're going to reach a we're going to rinse a Prince Louis milestone before too long. He was born on oh he was born on St George's Day, twenty uh, third of April. Uh, he will be turning five this year. Gosh. You'll be pleased to know. Bless. And now we have an email here from a certain Sophie, and it is titled. Wouldst thou consider my dog, Jeffrey? Ah, uh, uh, I see. I see. Very good. And it reads as follows. Dear Morecambe and not so wise. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
That's great. I love that. All right, Lids, long time no speak. I write to you today with great happiness and joy to say that I am finally, finally up to date on the Wikicast episodes, which we have now ruined by releasing a new one. I have been a long time spasmodic reader of the Wikicast, continuously forgetting and re-remembering that the podcast existed since the release of the very first episode. I've been struggling through the huge backlog of drivel that you release on a semi-regular basis for so long that I thought the nightmare would never end. (laughs) However, I am pleased to say that yesterday that day finally came and I shall tell you for why. I recently secured and started... I just went full Gavin and Stacey then. Brilliant. Yeah, I love that. That was not even intentional, Dan. That just happened. Yeah. I recently secured and started my very first graduate job in London and so moved down south from glorious Liverpool towards the end of the summer. This has meant that I've been doing lots of driving back and forth to visit my parents and boyfriend back home with the average journey time of around four hours, give or take. In an attempt to keep myself awake during any late night monotonous driving, I have been able to whack on an episode of the Wikicast, which has kept me awake in sheer terror at the horrific non-tent being forced into my log holes. So thanks for that, lads. An absolute pleasure. On a more serious note, I just wanted to say huge congratulations to Simon and Pixelwife on their nuptials. Thank you very, very much. Having had the pleasure of being a small part of your lives for a very brief time, I am absolutely ecstatic for the pair of you. I wish you all the happiness in the world. Two lovely people such as yourselves truly deserve it. And of course, this is Sophie, who I don't know if we would have mentioned on the pod, but has featured in the YouTube vlogs that I did. Mm. Um, Sophie sang with us in Chapel Choir uh, for, was it a year or was it two years? I actually can't remember. I thought it was longer than a year, I'm sure. I think it was longer than a yeah. year. Um, and, and it was an excellent soprano. So I, I wasn't sure if you were going to mention it, Sophie. So that's why I didn't say it at the start. But yeah, it's really, really lovely to hear from you, by the way. Sorry, I've just got a big grin on my face. It's just always nice when this happens. <laughs> people sort of... Yeah, it's wonderful. It's so lovely. Also, I don't know why people that know us choose to listen to the show. <laughs> I feel yeah, like that's, that's if people... a, partic- a particularly sort of masochistic <laughs> decision. If people know us in real life, then they're like, well, I mean, I, I know it's a waste of time. Yes. <laughs> like, there's no way that those two are going to make something good. <laughs> So uh, Sorry, Sophie continues. Uh, additionally, a huge congrats to both of you, Dan and Simon, on an incredible podcast. Listen to, listening to you both always reminds me of the wonderful times I had next to, particularly in the choir, and the wonderful people I knew there. For your general amusement, here is a picture of a drawing I did absentmindedly a few years ago whilst listening to one of the earlier episodes of the pod. It's safe to say I am no artiste. Do you, uh, do you have the email open, Dan? I do. This is probably one of the best <laughs> things I've ever seen in my life. I love it. I absolutely love it. Can you describe the, the the picture, please? Well, it's a picture in reference to an old podcast episode when somebody had written a fantasy fan fiction. Fan fiction, yes. You were some sort of sort of paladin cleric character, and I, unsurprisingly, was was a a, a whiz, a wizard. Thumbleball here. And at and at one point, you, well, your 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 sort of solution for dealing with anything was to to whack out your enormous sort of warhammer. Oh, what am I going to say? And, yes, and um. And just start smashing to pieces while ex- la- loudly, de- loudly exclaiming, "The gods will decide our fate." <laughs> the gods will decide our fate. Um, and then th- there's me as a whiz next to you, just sort of with a speech bubble saying, "Oh, for f- <laughs> <laughs> this is great, Sophie." I love this, oh, Sophie. I love this. Thank you so much. Good tidings to you both, Sophie Brooke, aged. Oh gosh, here we go. 857,965 BBRILs. That's Benjamin Britten Rejoice in the Lambs. 
Hashtag free Jeffrey. Yeah, absolutely amazing. P.S. Oh gosh, this is this is a roller coaster at the end of this email. P.S. I made a promise to myself about five years ago that once I had caught up on all the episodes, I would finally sub to the Wikicast Patreon. And I have. Dogs are the best thing in the world, Simon. Sort your life out. Yeah. It's her! She's the reason yes. that I've been dethroned. Sophie, this is this is I mean, this could not be more perfect. Not only have you I mean, it's lovely to hear from you and see this, I mean utterly fantastic i want to print this out and frame it i mean i love it um <laughs> we'll have to put this but on we've Discord, also managed to to upset we've been able to we've been able to tip the scales in top dog favor for the first time ever in this podcast which is extraordinary shameful and pps dan the cock and me gay incident is still one of the most simultaneously hilarious and frightening moments of my life mm. Yeah. Please tell the story on the pod. It's certainly, it's certainly one of the most frightening moments of my life, <laughs> and I, I genuinely thought that a certain core director was was going to was going to kill me on the spot. I was not present for this. And on that bombshell, Simon, I think I might tell that story next episode. Oh, you tease, you tease, you cocking me gay tease. <laughs> um, this is this is it's a good one. If you are, oh, grief. Yeah, I wasn't present for this, and I'm glad I wasn't. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's frightening. It really is frightening. Well, Dan, what have we learnt today? Today, Simon, we learnt about Adam Abel. Oh, gosh, we the did. The Scottish friar at Jedburgh Abbey who wrote a chronicle or manuscript, the Reut on Quehel of Time, uh, which is kept in the National Library of Scotland. We did indeed, and we learnt, we, well, we pontificated a bit about chronicles in general. We talked about Macbeth. We did. The, the mentions of, uh, of, of various sort of anecdotes around the James III of Scotland. And then after sort of exhausting our conversation of Adam Abel, and rightly, I think... The Belen family. Elevating him to the, to the position of patron saint of the pod. <laughs> Has he been canonised? Are we, are we canonising this I think, guy? No, we're ca- yeah, we're canonising him. Hundred uh, he, percent. I don't think. I mean, I think he just died a, a regular death. There was no martyr, martyrdom or anything, which is a, which is a shame. I think. Um, although I'm sure he's quite glad. <laughs> you think that the patron saint of the wiki cast should die horrifically? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, you join some of our reviewers. Self self flagellation. You know, I mean, somebody's listened to this podcast for 176 hours, so I think, I think we, could, we, could, we could probably make a, make a sort of connection there. We finally, after that, got a chance to catch up because we haven't spoken to each other since before christmas no indeed and we, we exchanged lots of jolly uh christmasy bants and new year tales and lots of recommendations for things including something not to watch oh yes the limehouse golem for whatever please whatever you do don't bother it's really not worth it and several things to watch i would particularly like to recommend ghosts and if people fancy uh picking up a new game plate up definitely my recommendation and a double whammy choral piece of the week oh yes the uh Poulenc four motets pour le temps de noël and uh simon's new discovery some buchenberg yeah. yes that's all for this episode don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice join the discord and if you'd like to see our faces check out our youtube channel spongy and electric the worst films you've seen over christmas your new year resolutions and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And we'll see you next time. Oh gosh, now I had, I saved something. What was it going to be? Um, Why does it sound like you're dropping a hint that you wanted to talk about bees? What was it going to be? be? God, I'm all up a oh. buzz about this. Buzz. Yeah. <laughs> Coming out in hives here. Yes. What was I thinking about?
I'm sorry, I'm just droning on. Yes, yeah, very good, very good. Honey. Stop being such a queen. <laughs> oh, honey. Um, oh, beehive. <laughs> How's the end of the podcast looking, Fergus? Is this is this there? Yeah, it's Hi, listeners. Spoil, spoil for Joyce, really. I mean, there's, there's so much, so much nonsense. <laughs>